I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What's up, everyone, and welcome to The Reluctant Historian. This is the podcast where I try to show my husband that history is actually cool. I'm your host, Liz Lawson, and this is our Reluctant Historian. Dakota Lawson. On this podcast, I'll tell him a story from history, and he'll share his unapologetic thoughts and opinions. So, if you love history, or you absolutely hate it, this podcast is for you. So, on today's episode, episode 10, lucky number 10, we are talking about Norse mythology. Ooh, that's exciting. Yeah, I thought you would like this one. Yeah, that'll be cool. Yeah. Very cool. Very, uh, uh, I'm a big fan of the new God of War game, so. Yes. Uh, as are you. <laughs> yes. So I totally forgot about that. I was, oh really? That did, that wasn't a thought. Well, thought no, no. Now that all. you talk about it, uh, as I was doing the research for this, it definitely reminded me of that. And okay, the reason I wanted to do this was because we were watching the Marvel universe and Thor. oh, so like with uh, the Thor movies and yes. all that. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, this is awesome. I'm uh, I'm really interested in uh, Norse mythology. Yeah. I don't know a ton outside of Thor and God of War. But I think that's all you need to know. There we go. Okay, I'll. Uh, I'm gonna bow out of this episode. If you just <laughs> want to share with the listeners, since I know everything, so perfect. All right, so sit down, buckle up, and get ready to listen to the history of Norse mythology. like to begin by recognizing that we are recording on Treaty 6 territory and the homeland of the Métis Nation. We make this acknowledgement in recognition that we are settlers here on the land that belongs to the many different First Nations of Canada. So, Coda, episode 10, Golden Nugget, go. Yeah, so uh, yesterday my sister needed my help picking out a TV and uh, uh, hanging up on her wall, so the good brother that I am, I went and helped her, so, uh, but the the big thing to take away from this is that I did not make any mistakes. <laughs> so I'm getting better at hanging stuff on walls. I also hung up some floating shelves for her, and I nailed it. <laughs> wow. Good one. Uh, do you want to tell the listeners about the first time that we tried to hang a floating shelf in our house? Yes. Uh, it was uh, not many moons ago. Uh, we tried to hang some in our new gym area, and it did not go well. We uh, messed up the first screw so badly that I actually couldn't get it out of the wall, and I had to take my grinder to it. Uh, I didn't have any eye protection. It was my first time ever using a grinder. I threw on some winter gloves and uh, went to town. A lot of sparks flying at my TV that was in the uh, in the corner of the room. So yeah, It was an adventure. That was fun for me. But... We got the, well, you got the nail flush with the wall. And so eventually when we renovate this house, that wall is going to be gone anyways. So yeah, 
unless you actually look under the shelf, you actually won't be able to tell that uh, we made a mistake. Exactly. So, yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. Uh, what about you? Do you have a golden nugget? I do not. Thank you. Thank you for asking. Yeah, no problem. I already knew you didn't, so <laughs> I just wanted to embarrass you in front of the listeners. <gasps> I don't know. I think it's kind of hard to have a golden nugget every week when literally all we can really do is stay in the house. My golden nugget for you is that you did a really good job cleaning today. Thank you. I also cleaned. I wasn't. I didn't just 50s housewife her. No. So. <laughs> I cleaned the bathroom and he vacuumed. Oh, and we moved the... Uh, living room furniture around there you go that could be a golden nugget that's pretty exciting that is my golden nugget we moved the whole living room we did Uh, we moved the whole living room around and it looks really cool it does it's really cozy yeah so cool a lot of my research that i did for this episode comes from a website called norse mythology for smart people (laughs) i was really excited about this that's funny i is a smart person thank you thank you it was pretty it was it was pretty complex um but i was able to you know well get the most out of it then then you better that's why we need you so you can dumb it down for for the, for the, listeners, for not, the listeners not for me i would be able to read that website fluently absolutely so according to this website norse mythology is related to those who we call vikings and, and it refers to their religion before the vikings converted to christianity during the middle ages quote They had their own vibrant native pagan religion that was as harshly beautiful as the Nordic landscape to which it was intimately connected. What we today call Norse mythology is the set of religious stories that were the center to their religion, and it gave meaning to the Vikings' lives. These myths revolved around gods and goddesses with fascinating and highly complex characters, such as Odin, Thor, Freya, and Loki. Myth? What? Yeah, so maybe Loki and Odin and Thor are not real people. It cannot be. Sorry, baby. The Norse religion that contained these myths never had a true name, so we don't call like Christianity Christianity. Um, those who practice, Wait, we don't call Christian. I call Christianity Christianity. I know that came out wrong. So it's not like how we can say Christianity is Christianity. We don't be like uh, the Norse Norse Norseanity. Exactly. Uh, those who practiced it called it tradition. However, people who continued to follow the old ways, even after the arrival of Christianity, were sometimes called heathens, which originally meant people who live on heaths. What the hell's a heath? It's like a marshy moor, marshy marsh moor. Not a marshmallow. Well, what the fuck does any of that mean? It's like a marshy marsh. A marshy marshy moor. So imagine England. It's cold. It's rainy. It's foggy. There's a grassy hillock across the way from what you. What the fuck is a hillock? <laughs> Um, like a think of the prairies, uh huh, and think of them as wet and damp and cold, right, and rainy. Okay, and that's a heath. Oh, okay, <laughs> okay. Or the moors, a swamp. Oh, I'm familiar with those. Thank you. <laughs> Come on, I know you read on uh, uh, Norse mythology for smart people, but uh, uh, you're over here uh, telling me uh, Norse mythology for dumbasses. Sorry. Here, so. So they're called heathens because they're the people who live on the heaths and elsewhere in the countryside, and this name has stuck. So that's where we get our word heathen from, people who don't practice Christianity. Norse religion provided a means of understanding mankind in a way that was fitting for the Vikings' time and place. We can recognize within it the common human quest to live life in the presence of the transcendent majesty and joy of the sacred. And even though it's been a thousand years since the last Vikings laid down their swords, People today continue to be inspired by the vitality, vitality, and wonder of the Norse myths and gods who inhabit them. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, Norse mythology 
is huge right now. Mm. So I think it's always been like a big thing. Yeah, for for sure. I would just say, I think with um, just within the past, you know, however, what ten ten years or whatever, I guess when uh, the first Thor movie came out, I think that. I mean, unless you can think of something like before that, was there like, was it huge in pop culture? Yeah, I think so. Was it? Not like huge in the same way, but like I think people have always been interested in it. Uh, I can't remember much of my life before t- before the first Thor movie, so. That's fair. Uh, but then, I mean, now with God of War, which for those who don't know is a PS4 game uh, that is, which is set in Norse mythology. For the Vikings, the world as they found it was enchanted. That is, they didn't feel the need to seek salvation from the world, but instead delighted in and marveled at the way that things are, including what we would today call both nature and culture. So basically that means, you know, if Christianity were thinking about what is going to come after death, the Vikings were more focused on the here and the now. Oh, that sounds nice Mm -hmm. to be focusing on the present and Mm -hmm. rather rather than dwelling on your past or future, (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know, that sounds like a... Sounds like they didn't have anxiety or depression. Maybe not. Their religion and myths didn't sugarcoat the sordidness, strife, and unfairness of earthly life, but instead acknowledged it and praised the attempt to master it through the accomplishment of great deeds for the benefit of oneself and one's people. A life full of such good deeds was what the good life was for Vikings. That sounds kind of nice, mm-hmm. you know, just uh, enjoying and basically enjoying a life of doing good deeds. Yeah. That's, uh, I mean, that's although that's not what I think about when I think of Vikings, not necessarily. So that's interesting that that's how, is that that how they saw themselves versus how we see them? Well, here we go, the Vikings. Who were they? And where did they come from? Where did they come from? Where did they go? Where did they come from? Viking I, Joe. <laughs> the Vikings were seafaring raiders, conquerors, explorers, settlers, and traders from modern-day Norway, Sweden, Denmark, and Iceland, who ventured throughout much of the world during the Viking Age, which was roughly 793 to 1066 CE. They traveled as far east as Baghdad and as far west as North America, which they discovered some 500 years before Christopher Columbus did. Oh, really? Yeah, there's a Viking settlement uh, on the eastern coast of Canada, actually. Really? Mm-hmm. Fascinating. So they why s- is he credited for for finding it? He's a white dude. Classic. <laughs> Classic white men. I mean, I guess the Vikings were also white, but... Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, there's a whole complex history of colonialization, whereas the Vikings, I think, were just kind of like not going out Well, I mean, they did conquer lots of places. They spoke the Old Norse language, wrote in runes, and practiced their ancestral religion. They were motivated to sail from their homelands by timeless, universal human desires, which were wealth, prestige, and power. As in most human societies, these aims were intertwined for the Vikings. Those who had more wealth typically had more prestige and power, and vice versa. The Vikings sought wealth in both its portable form, such as gold, silver, gemstones, and also in the form of land. It is thanks to the Vikings that we understand their pre-Christian religion and mythology, but also that of the other Germanic peoples as well. Thanks to Old Norse poems, treaties, and sagas that were written relatively soon after the Viking Age, we have a much fuller picture of what the Vikings' religion was like than we do for the religions of any other pre-Christian Germanic people. 
So in terms of Norse theology, as far as we know, the Vikings never formulated their views on the divine in an abstract conceptual language of theology or philosophy. So what I mean by that is that... <laughs> I, was, I was about to say, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> What I mean by that is like we have Christians who will sit around and talk about theological concepts like the idea of the Godhead. So we've got three beings in one and that would be an example of theology. The Vikings never sat down and did that sort of situation. They were just like, this is what God is. Go for it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Instead, they used concrete imagery and the narrative form of myth to portray divinity as they saw it. The Norse gods were images of a universal, inscrutable force that were drawn from the certain parts of the Viking world, which made the gods easier to imagine and connect with at that time and place. The most widely used Old Norse word for god was aus, or aesir, meaning gods, and the feminine form for goddess was ausinia, or onsinjur, for the plural. Those are some badass names. Mm -hmm. Those would be cool. <laughs> You're still on those cool names, hey? Yeah, I love cool names. These words are all derived from two pre-Germanic language roots for the word ansaz, meaning pole, beam, rafter, or ansuz, meaning life or vitality. This suggests that the Vikings thought of their gods as the poles or vital forces that held together and sustained the cosmos and its order. And this is exactly what we find in their myths. The gods were very much a part of the cosmos, rather than beings who merely manipulated it from the outside. When the cosmos began, they began with it as a part of the process. So the gods became part of the world when the world began. And when the cosmos will fall, as the Norse believed it would at Ragnarok, the gods will fall with it. So that kind of gives them kind of like a human sort of touch. They're not as omnipotent as, say, um, Allah or God in that they are fallible. F sorry, fallible as, as in they can die? Mm -hmm. Okay, interesting. Also, you touched on Ragnarok. Is that something that we get into more yes, it of? Is. Okay, cool. I'm uh, uh, very interested in Ragnarok. So, Excellent. and I, I also want to see how it uh, is not, how it is probably very different than it is in Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> so. so, although the gods were part of the cosmos, they were not just ordinary members of it. So, us humans are just ordinary members of the cosmos. Avi. The structure of the cosmos was seen in relation to Norse social hierarchy, which the gods and the goddesses as the rulers established and enforced the order of the cosmic system as a whole, and to which any and all other inhabitants of the cosmos were subject. The gods reigned over other beings, but were also obligated to protect their people from foreign aggressors, in this case from the giants who wished to destroy it. There is no super being in Norse religion, even gods are subject to limitations, which fell into two basic categories. First, since Vikings worshipped many gods, each of which had a personality and role distinct from the others, no one god possessed all of the powers that were attributed to the gods as a whole. Some gods were better warriors than others, some were wiser, some were more skilled at blessing lands or crops or livestock or people, and so on. So Christian god is in charge of everything. In Norse mythology, you have certain gods in charge of certain things. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, again, I'm going to, a lot of the knowledge base I bring to this is I'm just going to talk about, uh, you know, say Thor <laughs> movies and stuff. <laughs> but I just think to, you know, Loki, you know, he's not this grand, grand master uh, uh, brute fighter, you know, he's uh, um, the master of mischief and he's just super freaking smart. So that's kind of what he brings to the table, right? Whether, although I don't know if that's exactly how it is in well, the we'll actual... Get into him. Okay, cool. So for example of this, Odin, who was famed for his unmatched knowledge and wisdom, had to go on numerous quests to learn that lore. So he didn't just come to us super smart. 
he sought it out. Oh, that's interesting that he, uh, because Christianity's God is very much like has always been. And will always be. And will always be the grandmaster of all everything. So that's pretty cool that uh, this guy had to like work for that, you know? Yeah. And so some of the myths that relate to that are called uh, Odin's discovery of the rune why Odin is one-eyed, and the meat of poetry. So those are all different um, myths that were written about no- Odin okay. um, that talk about how he became so smart. Cool. Secondly, God's powers were limited in that even they couldn't escape being subject to fate. They too were doomed to have various misfortunes befall them, to suffer, and to ultimately, at Ragnarok, to die. There you are again, foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. Since gods were imagined to have human characteristics, and since they regularly manifested themselves in and intervened in the affairs of the world, it was possible for humans and gods to interact with each other, and such interactions were seen as an essential part of the Norse religion. This occurred in many ways, the most intimate of which was the belief that the gods procreated with humans in order to found the royal and heroic families of the time. I feel like that's like a teacher sleeping with their student. <laughs> that uh, that shouldn't be allowed. <laughs> yeah. The most common interaction between gods and humans happened through ritual sacrifice. The cornerstone, Classic. The cornerstone of Norse religious practice. The Norse didn't only worship their gods out of a sense of wonder and love. They did also want to get something in particular from the gods. And in order to do so, ritual sacrifice would help them do that. So I was playing another game that actually has to do with Norse mythology. That one with the lady girl. And she hears voices. Oh, uh, Hellblade Sasuna's Sacrifice. Yes. Which is a Viking game where you are suffering from schizophrenia at the yes. same time. Well, and actually, she's a British person. She's a Celtic warrior. Oh. And so the Viking... It's not a Viking game? Well, you go to the Viking land. Okay. To be like, because you're trying to... Well, you're trying to do something in the Viking land. I won't say what it is, because right. you don't figure that out until a little bit into the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but the really cool thing about the game is you can go to these like little stones in it, um, and they've got runes on them and they actually tell you a lot of the different stories of Norse mythology. And it was super, super well done. Like everybody should play this game. It's quick. It's, um, I don't know. It was like six or seven hours. Yeah. But like really, really well done. Yeah. And it's not a hard game because like you can't go off. It's not open world. Yeah. Plus, yeah. just a side note on that game, it's really cool how, like, if you wear headphones while you play it, you're uh, you're playing as a character and you've got voices in your head talking to each other and, mm-hmm. and telling you that you're a piece of shit or whatever. I don't exactly remember. No, they don't actually say that. Well, I guess, yeah. They're just like... <laughs> are, they, are, they, <laughs> are you telling me in this uh, Norse mythology, a Viking game, the voices didn't go, hey, you're a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> no they do say though that like what are you doing here you're a yeah. failure da, 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 da. you shouldn't be doing this yeah really really interesting stuff but it's cool when you wear headphones because it's like you feel like you're going crazy <laughs> it's a really really well done game so if you like video games i would suggest to play this one it's quick it's good it's fun so a brief synopsis of norse mythology the majority of these stories are told in t- in separate tales each with their own title so the culmination of all of these stories come together to create the religion, collecting into one brief summation. And so here we go. I'm going to give you a little brief summation of what happens, like how their religion works. I've linked in the show notes to a page that lists a number of these stories. So if you want to read them, you can go ahead and do that. According to Norse mythology, the beginning of life was fire and ice with the existence of only two words, 
Muspelheim and Niflheim. Now I learned that from God of War. Too. I was just about to say, I'm like, Niflheim, that sounds familiar. Yes. When the warm air of Muspelheim hit the cold ice of Niflheim, the Jotun, Ymir, and Jotun is a type of entity that is like the opposite, but not opposite of the gods. He, it is just a thing. People say that he's a giant, but he's not. That's a really simplistic understanding of who Ymir is and what a Jotun is. It is not a giant, but it's a way that you could, I guess, simplistically understand what a Jotun is. So I'll go back here a little bit. When the warm air of Muspelheim and the cold ice of Niflheim hit, the Jotun Ymir and the icy cow Aldhumla were created. <laughs> Hello, I am Icy Cow. What was his name? Her name is Aldhumla. Hello, I am Icy Cow. Aldhuma. Emer was suckled by this cow, and oh, when what? he slept... Suckled? Yeah, so that's how he was fed. He, like, drank from its udder. God. Okay. And when he slept, several other Yoden were conceived asexually from his body and spontaneously sprang from his legs and from the sweat from his armpits. What the fuck? <laughs> Aldhumla herself was nourished by licking salty, rime-covered stones. She licked the stones into the shape of a man who was called Buri, the first of the Aesir gods. Buri fathered Bor who went on to father Odin, Vili, and Ve. When these gods felt strong enough, they killed Emer, and his blood flooded the world and drowned all of the Jodin except for two. However, the Jodin grew again in numbers, and soon there were as many as before Emer's death. Then the gods created seven more worlds, using Emer's flesh for dirt, his blood for the oceans, rivers, and lakes, his bones for stone, his brain as the clouds, and his skull for the heaven. Sparks from Muspelheim, Muspelheim flew and became stars. The gods eventually formed the first man and woman, Ask and Embla, from two tree trunks. Odin gave them life, Billy gave them mind, and Ve gave them the ability to hear, see, and speak. And they built a fence made from Emer's eyelashes around their dwelling place, Midgard, to protect them from the giants. A.K.A. Earth. Yes. From the male descendants, Odin chose only the bravest to live in Asgard after they died, for these warriors would aid him in the final showdown with the forces of evil. So all of this comes to us from different stories of different titles, and I've just kind of put it together in one conglomeration and, like, summarized it for you of their, like, creation story sort of. Cool. I think it's, uh, yeah, it's really fascinating how they created all of this stuff from different parts of his body and, like, used his brain for the heavens. The clouds. The clouds. Yes. That's unsettling unsettling in so many ways but uh strangely cool it's like okay this is a side tangent but you know when there's cannibalism in uh like in a video game or a movie mm -hmm. i always find that those stories really interesting most people do yeah because it's, it's so taboo yeah it's just like it's like whoa they're eating that person that's fucked up but so cool it's like i don't know something about creating their uh all of these Creating all of these things from uh, one's own body. And this was, he was one of the, the giant people. So he was a Yoden. Yeah, which and... is the closest summation to a giant. Yes. Right. Yes. And so he, they killed him and they took all the parts of his body and made earth out of them. Well, parts of the earth. They made the whole cosmos, actually. Well, that was, that's nice. Yeah. So the cosmos, speaking of, were supported by a huge ash tree called Yggdrasil. Yggdrasil. <laughs> Yggdrasil. But. You probably know how to say it. Idris Elba. No. Idris Elba? <laughs> Not Idris Elba. No. Yggdrasil. It stands at the geographical center of the Norse spiritual cosmos. The rest of the cosmos is arrayed around and held together by its roots and branches. 
Because of this, the well-being of the cosmos depends on the well-being of Yggdrasil. In its upper branches lived a squirrel and an eagle, while in its roots lived a serpent, or maybe it was a dragon, different translations, called Nidhogg, which gnawed away at the roots until the end of time when the whole structure would collapse. In the meantime, the, these things called the Norns, which we can understand as the Fates or the Three Weird Sisters. Oh, um, I'm familiar with Three Weird Sisters. <laughs> Dakota has three sisters. Yes. They watered the tree to keep it from dying. My sisters? No, the Norns. Oh, okay. <laughs> the word Yggdrasil has two elements in its name. Yirg, Yigr, Yirg, meaning terrible, and one of the countless names of the god Odin. And the second element, Drasil, meaning horse. So the actual name of the tree means horse of Odin. Okay. Well, one second. I just want to... Uh, <laughs> something I just thought of is that you, uh, you're you you're you're pronouncing all of these different words that you've never heard before. And I found it interesting that there's no like, there's no qualifier like, oh, I might butcher this one because we don't have any Viking listeners. <laughs> They're not like, that bitch. Well, and also I feel kind of confident saying these words because mm-hmm. I've heard them in Kratos and I've heard them in that other game, the Hell's, Hell's Fire one, and I've heard them... Uh, Hellblade. Hellblade game. And I've heard them... <laughs> She's a gamer, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> An oop. <laughs> and I've heard it in um, the Marvel universe. So, like, I've, I kind of feel a little bit confident. Okay. Thanks. Yeah, but you're not worried about him insulting any of our... No, I mean, like, lots of people will probably come at me for saying these incorrectly. Fair. The nine worlds that surround Yggdrasil are the homelands of various types of beings found in the Viking worldview. Sorry, so are those all the uh, nine realms you can visit, or some of which you can visit in God of War? Just Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. You've okay. got it. Cool. That, that, that way I can actually picture it in my mind. Yeah, and so you go across the Bifrost, the bridge. Yes. Yes. To Terabithia. Yes. No. Okay. <laughs> so we have Midgard, which yeah. is the world of humanity. Asgard, which is the world of the Aesir tribe of gods and goddesses. Okay, Thor, Thor's homeworld. Yeah, we have Vanaheim, the world of the Vanir tribe of gods and goddesses. And I didn't really talk about them too much in my research, but you can learn about them if you want to. And you can buy some sick kicks there. Vans. <laughs> Jodenheim, the world of the giants. Niflheim, the primordial world of ice. So primordial means like before world began. Muspelheim, the primordial world of fire. Alfheim, the world of the elves, Svartalheim, the world of the dwarves, and Hell, with one L, the world of the goddess Hell and the dead. Cool. Well, so that would basically just be like our version of Hell? I guess so. I thought it was interesting that um, they have very similar words. I mean, a lot of our language comes from Germanic tribes, so makes sense. It does make sense. Yes. With the exception of Midgard, which is where humans live, These are all primarily invisible worlds, although they can at times become manifested in particular particular aspects of the visible world. For example, Jotunheim overlaps with the physical wilderness, Hell with the grave in the below ground, and Asgard with the sky. So they're kind of like associated with those areas. The Bifrost, pronounced Bifrost. I like it better the other way. is the rainbow bridge that connects Asgard with Midgard and is guarded by the ever-vigilant god Heimdall. Idris Elba. Yes. During Ragnarok, the giants will breach Heimdall's defenses and cross the bridge to storm Asgard as they slay the gods. Yeah, it was different in Thor Ragnarok. Odin knew the power of the gods was not eternal and that he and his comrades would die when the giants and demons rose against them. The last 
fight would take place at Vigrid, a field 100 miles in length and breadth. Sorry, let's jump back quick, quickly. So Heimdall, he is not actually situated in Asgard. He, he's um he's on he's on the Rainbow Bridge, the Bifrost, but that connects all the worlds, right? It just connects Asgard and Midgard. Oh, okay. I thought it connected them all. Okay, well, that's good clarification then. Just according to what I had researched, I could be wrong. I could have missed a part. Okay, but... so Heimdall is in Asgard then. Yes. Okay. Okay, I just wanted to make sure I was getting that right. Continue. So they're fighting. They know that this last place that they're fighting is going to take place at Vigrid. Odin knew he would be swallowed by Fenrir the wolf, and his son would avenge him. Thor and the Midgard serpent would destroy each other, and so would Loki and Heimdall. The stars and all heavenly bodies would plummet from the sky as the earth sank beneath the sea. The twilight of gods would become night, and the universe would exist no more. And this is known as Ragnarok, and I'm going to tell you the story in a few moments. Cool. Yet, there would still exist a power, Odin knew, and this is called the Nameless One, that would give birth to a new world beyond the edge of time. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about the gods Odin, Thor, and Loki, just because those are the ones that interested me the most. You can learn about other gods if you want to. There are lots of very interesting Norse mythology stories. These are the ones I wanted to talk about. The word Odin actually forms the name of the word Wednesday. So our word Wednesday comes from the word Odin. I need further elaboration. Gotcha. (laughs) Odin is Woden in Old Saxon, which becomes Woden's Day, which if you say it fast enough, Woden's Day, Wednesday, Woden's Day, Wednesday, Woden's Day, Wednesday. You're saying them over and over again, but they don't sound close. (laughs) (laughs) Woden's Day. Wednesday. Wednesday. Was it? No, they're two different things. Maybe if I had like it, a... It's not a tomato, tomato, tomato situation. Maybe if I had like a really strong like Scottish or Irish accent. Hold on. Okay. Or um, Wednesday. 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 Yes. No? You can kind of hear it though. Wednesday. 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 It's why we have the weird Wednesday. Woden. Wednesday. I mean... I don't know. I I think maybe if it would help because of the accent, but when we say Woden's Day Wednesday, that's just like those are just two different words. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. He is the ruler of the Aesir tribe of gods, yet he often ventures far from their kingdom Asgard on long solitary wanderings through the cosmos on purely self-interested quests. He seeks and gives wisdom, but has little regard for communal values such as justice or fairness or respect for law and convention. So when I was researching him, I was like, man, he does not sound like the Odin of the Marvel Universe. No, other than the fact that he's wise. Yeah. Yeah. He's the divine patron of rulers and also outlaws. He's a war god, but also a poetry god. Those seem conflicting, but okay. (laughs) From the beginning, Odin had a desire for knowledge and wisdom, and he consulted all living things to obtain this knowledge. He gained most of his knowledge from his uncle, Mimir, who guarded the well of knowledge, but he had to sacrifice an eye in order to drink from this well. Ah, hence the eye patch. Mm -hmm. Odin also went to great lengths to acquire the art of poetry, which was contained in a magic potion that was kept in a giant's underground cauldron. Having decided to get the potion, Odin put himself in bondage to the giant. (laughs) Just like, (laughs) he's, he's (laughs) he's in bondage and he's like, giant, I heard this was your kink. Whom he persuaded to blast a hole to the underground dwelling where the substance was kept. Odin then entered the dwelling as a snake. Changed he can back- turn into snakes? Yes. 
changed back into human shape, made friends with Sutung, the giant, who was there also, I guess, who owned the potion, then seduced the giant's daughter and obtained the mixture from her. Then he flew back to Asgard as an eagle, destroying Sutung in the process, and dispensed the potion to human poets. So he can just turn into whatever animal he wants? Apparently. That's pretty cool. In modern popular culture, Odin is often portrayed as being an honorable ruler and battlefield commander, but to the ancient Norse, he was nothing like that. These characteristics belonged to the more noble war gods such as Thor. Odin actually causes otherwise peaceful people to battle with a sense of glee. <laughs> I'm just picturing a crossover of like a fight from Thor with uh, the popular television sa- series Glee. <laughs> Odin doesn't concern himself with average warriors, preferring instead to give his blessing to only those whom he deems to be worthy of them, particularly with berserkers or other warrior shamans. Thus, as a war god, Odin is principally concerned not with the reasons behind any given conflict or even its outcome, but rather with the raw, chaotic battle frenzy. He just likes to fight. And the way that I see it is that he finds beauty in the conflict rather than being like, we must fight for good reasons. He's just like, I like to fight for fighting's sake. So Odin is supposedly very wise. Yes. But that does not seem like a very wise thing. <laughs> I like, see, this is the thing that I, I think what we were trying to, I was trying to explain a little bit at the beginning is that um, rather than being like these supreme, infallible beings, they are made up of contradictory human characteristics right they're they have more humanity i think than other gods yeah that's a good point they're not uh they're not perfect and can't unlike you know other gods they are capable of making errors which uh makes them more relatable which i like yeah you know i also gleefully kill my enemies (laughs) the gods were subject to aging and they rejuvenated themselves by eating magic apples kept by the goddess Idun. However, Odin chose a different, harder way to keep himself rejuvenated. He freely wounded himself with his own spear and hung himself for nine days from Yggdrasil, which was shaken by the winds. In this manner, he renewed his youth, but also became the master of the magic runes. Did he know that was going to work? Or did he I was, have no idea. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> well, he's just like, ah, oh, this might work. And then he like hangs himself because that's his kink. <laughs> no, I thought you said it was bondage. No, that's the giant's kink. Got it. Through his powers of wisdom, poetry, and magic, Odin was of much use to men. In warfare, his mere presence could strike the enemy blind, deaf, and impotent. He valued courage above all other human traits, a quality which he himself possessed in abundance. He knew that he would eventually die, and thus he collected a band of the most courageous warriors to sit with him in Valhalla. Valhalla was the hall where he housed the dead. These men would go down fighting with him at the crack of destruction. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Finally, Odin is also known as the Allfather. He is the divine ancestor of countless families from all over Europe, an Aesir god, a Vanir god, and a giant all at once. He is the chieftain of the gods, and the Norse saw him as the breath of life. He played a greater role than any other god in the creation of the world. So we'll move on to Thor now. Cool. My uh, personal favorite. Mm -hmm. Thor is one of the most prominent figures in Norse mythology. He is the archetype of a loyal and honorable warrior, the ideal to which the average human warrior aspired to be. He is the untirable defender of the Aesir gods and Asgard from the giants who are usually the enemies of the gods. His courage and sense of duty are unshakable and his physical strength is virtually unmatched. Similar to mine. Truth. 
He had iron gloves, a girdle that doubled his power, and an invincible flying hammer. Thor was the embodiment of thunder, while lightning was the embodiment of he and his hammer Mjolnir slain giants as he rode across the sky in his goat-drawn carriage. <laughs> his goat-drawn carriage? Yes. That makes the whole thing sound not as cool, I'm going to be <laughs> honest. <laughs> Thor traveled in a sorry chariot drawn by male goats. Yeah, not, uh, I'm picturing a whole, like, um, Cinderella type vibe, you know, uh, pumpkin chariot kind of thing. That's what I'm picturing, mm. so. When he was hungry, he killed and ate the goats. <laughs> what a dick. <laughs> but he simply laid his hammer on their hides and was able to revive them. So they came back to life. That seems, um, I just wondered if the goats remember. <laughs> <laughs> Like, like, can you imagine living in the worst kind of hell? You're basically Thor's slave as a goat who has to carry his ass around everywhere, his heavy ass, I'll mind you, and Milner, which is heavy boy. Yeah. And then he just is like, I am hungry, kills you, sla- slaughters you brutally, and then brings <laughs> you back to life, and you're like, oh, God, is this my existence? <laughs> Forever and ever. Yeah. Fuck. His main enemy was Jormagand, the giant sea serpent, serpent, <laughs> the giant sea serpent who encircles Midgard. His activities on the divine plane are mirrored by his activities on the human plane, where humans would appeal to him when they were in need of protection, comfort, and the blessing of place, things, and events. So he's the god of nouns, I guess. <laughs> I <laughs> am the god. The god of what, Thor? Nouns! Well, places, things, and events. Like, seriously, those are like, that's a person, place, or thing. Yeah. Noun. For sure. I just laughed when I was, obviously. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, So, also, he would often be called upon to bless a wedding. And there are a number of stories that go with Thor, and I'm going to tell you one right now. One day, Thor discovered that his hammer was missing, and Loki found out that the giant Thrym had stolen it. Thrym wanted to marry Freya in return for the hammer, but she loathed this idea. It was decided that Thor would go to Thrym's hall disguised disguised as Freya. Thor took Loki with him. Thrym was astonished at how much the bride ate and drank, but Loki told him that she had not eaten or drunk for nine days in her anxiousness to join the giants. Thrym then went to kiss his bride and was amazed that she had a red complexion and eyes that flashed fire. Again, Loki explained that she was feverish from lack of sleep in her joy at joining Thrym. In a hurry to get the marriage over with, Thrym ordered that the hammer be placed on the bride's knees as was custom. Thor laughed in his heart and having regained his hammer, struck all the giants in the hall dead. So this definitely could be a sitcom episode. (laughs) As Thor would say, Loki, we need to go to Thrym. But I need to disguise myself as Freya. Mm-hmm. And then he, uh, or it's just his uh, way <laughs> way of uh, wanting to uh, put a dress on or something, Maybe. you know? So now we're going to talk about Loki. Okay. My favorite. Mm, well, of course. <laughs> He's uh, very sassy, so. Sassy sass. Yeah. Sassafras. 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 Loki is the god of wiles and wickedness. Oh, Wh- I thought he was the god of mischief. Wickedness. Mischief wickedness. Hmm. He was very handsome and enjoyed the favors of many goddesses. I can see it. Tom Hiddleston. (laughs) His father is a giant and his mother was named Laufe. She may have been a god or a giantess or something else. Sorry. In this, is is she a, is he a frost giant or just regular giant? Just giant. 
Oh, interesting. Yeah. Just well, in... and also, I don't think Lor- Thor is actually Odin. And I could be wrong. I'm not sure. I don't know that Thor is actually Odin's son. But Thor, Odin's son. Well, that's the Marvel Universe. That's not actually his last name in this? I didn't find... I mean, I didn't look super hard, but in all of the like six different pages that I mm-hmm. read about Thor, not one of them said that he was Odin's son. Interesting. Uh, well, what about Loki? Just that he's the son of a giant and Laufey. So he's not... Odin's son either? No. Marvel, you've lied to me. <laughs> Loki is the father of Hel. Do you remember her? Uh, yeah, with a one L. Yes, she's the lady who rooms the, rules the realm Hel. He's also the father of Jormagund, which is the Midgard serpent that slays Thor at Ragnarok. And Loki is also the father of Fenrir, the wolf who kills Odin. Damn, he his spawn is not good. <laughs> no. Loki demonstrates a complete lack of concern for the well-being of his fellow gods. He often runs afoul of not only the societal expectations, but also of what we may call the laws of nature. Because Loki is also a mother. What? Yes, he is the mother of Slipner, who is Odin's horse, whom Loki what gave birth fuck? to. <laughs> whom Loki gave birth to after shape-shifting into a mare and courting a stallion. I'm just picturing Tom Hiddleston giving birth now, and it's... As sexy as he is, it's not a good picture. In the tales, Loki is portrayed as a scheming coward who cares only for his shallow pleasures and self-preservation. He's also at times playful, malicious, helpful, irreverent, and nihilistic. Loki alternately helps both the gods and the giants, depending on which course of action is most pleasurable and advantageous to him at the time. Classic Loki. During Ragnarok, when the gods and giants engage in their ultimate struggle and the cosmos is destroyed... Loki joins the battle on the side of the... Uh, The ones that are taking down Asgard. Giants, yes, good. Yeah. (laughs) Even though Loki is in some sense a god, no traces of any kind of worship of Loki have survived in the historical record. So even though he was a god in the Norse religion, people didn't really worship him. He was just kind of hanging out. Yeah. His character is virtually the antithesis of the traditional Norse values of honor, loyalty, and the like. So he becomes ultimately a traitor to the gods that the Norse held in such high reverence. And now we're going to end our story here with the tale of Ragnarok. So background, Ragnarok is the cataclysmic destruction of the cosmos and everything in it, even the gods. So when you consider Norse mythology as a chronological set of tales, Ragnarok comes at the end of it. For the Vikings, Ragnarok was a prophecy of what was to come at some unspecified and unknown time in the future but it had profound ramifications for how the Vikings understood the world in their own time. Ragnarok itself means fate of the gods. In summation, when the Norns, the fates, or your three sisters as you've decided, decree, there will be a great winter unlike anyone has ever seen. Mankind will become so desperate for food and shelter that all laws and morals will fall away, leaving only the bare struggle for survival. It will be an age of swords and axes. Brother will slay brother, father will slay son, and son will slay father. The wolves Skull and Hattie, which have hunted the sun and the moon, will at last catch their prey. So they'll catch the sun and they'll catch the moon. And the stars too will disappear, leaving nothing but a black void in the heavens. Yggdrasil will tremble and all the trees and even the mountains will fall to the ground. The chain that has been holding back Fenrir will snap and the beast will run free. Jormagund will rise from the depths, spilling the seas over all the earth as he makes landfall. These convulsions will shake the ship Nagfar fear from its moorings. 
This ship, which is made from the finger and toenails of dead men and women, will sail easily over the flooded earth. Its crew will be an army of giants, the forces of chaos and destruction, and its captain will be none other than Loki, the traitor of the gods. Fenrir will run across the earth with his lower jaw on the ground and his upper jaw against the top of the sky, devouring everything in his path. Jormungand will spit his venom over the world, poisoning land, water, and air. The dome of the sky will split, and from this crack will come the fire giants from Muspelheim. Their leader will be Surt, with a flaming sword brighter than the sun in his hand. As they march across the Bifrost, the bridge will break and fall behind them. An ominous horn blast will ring out from Heimdall, announcing the arrival of the moment the gods have feared. The gods will decide to go to battle, even though they know what the prophecies have foretold. They will arm themselves and meet their enemies on the battlefield. Odin will fight Fenrir, and by his side will be the Einhargar, the host of chosen human warriors whom he has kept at Valhalla. Odin and the champions of men will fight more valiantly than anyone has ever fought before, but it will not be enough. Fenrir will swallow Odin and his men. Then, one of Odin's sons, Vidar, will charge the beast to avenge his father. On one of his feet will be the special shoe that has been made for this very purpose. It has been made from all the scraps of leather that human shoemakers have ever discarded. And with it, Vidar will hold open the monster's mouth, stabbing his sword through the wolf's throat and killing it. Another wolf, Garm, and the god Tyr will slay each other. Heimdall and Loki will do the same, putting a final end to the trickster's treachery, costing the gods one of their best, Heimdall, in the process. The god Freyr and the giant Surt will also be the end of each other. Thor and Jormungand will finally have their chance to fight. Thor will succeed in bringing down the serpent with the blows of his hammer, but the serpent will have covered him with so much venom that he will not be able to stand. Thor will take nine paces before falling dead. Then the remains of the world will sink into the sea and there will be nothing left but the void. Creation and all that has occurred since will be completely undone as if it had never happened. Some say that this is the end of the tale, but others hold that a new world, green and beautiful, will arise out of the waters. Vidar, and a few of the other gods, Vali, Baldur, and Hodur, and Thor's sons, Modi and Magni, will survive the downfall of the old world, and they will live joyously in the new one. A man and a woman named Lif and Lifthrasis will have hidden themselves from the destruction, and will now come out and populate the lush land in which they now find themselves. A new son, the daughter of the previous one, will rise in the sky, and all of this will be presided over by a new almighty ruler. And that is the end of Norse mythology. Very interesting. I have a couple questions. Go. So you kept on saying this will happen, and this in mythology that never happened, it was all will happen? Is it? Is it, is it, is it essentially like you know, how the Bible, uh, the final chapter is like, this is how the world's going to end? Yeah, I guess you could say that. I mean, I think... The the final chapter of the Bible is what John dreams, is yeah. what he sees. It's, um, but the same thing, right? This is a prophecy that the um, Norse gods believed, or the Norse people, that the Norse people believed would happen. Yeah, where, like, because in the Bible, how John dreams this, it's very specific, confusingly specific, but it is specific about what's going to happen. Everything you read to me, it's like, well, that sounds like... <laughs> sounds awfully specific mm-hmm. like uh and then uh so Th- thor and his sons or whatever will do this and mm-hmm. then uh these wolves will kill the other person or wh- mm-hmm. whatever there's just so many specifics that i'm like wow that is a really specific prophecy yeah but it never took place no 
so my other question is now obviously this is mythology it's myth but this was something that vikings believed though right yes. so who's to say that it who is like no this is myth this doesn't actually exist um because similarly could not the same be said about christianity that it's a that it's a myth i'm saying this as a christian so uh i mean what are your thoughts on that i guess i mean there's whole theological debates i think about that whole idea and what is faith and what is not i think we have scientific evidence that proves there's no giant snake that lives at the center of midgard um so I think a lot of what they believed, like if we look at it literally, can be disproven in that sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just, I guess when I think about stuff, again, as a Christian, I'm saying this is just thinking about um, a lot of stuff that's said in the Bible is like, a well, that seems <laughs> similarly could be myth. Mm. So, I mean, is it because who decided that? Because at one point, this wasn't mythology. This was... Belief. Belief. And taken as fact. So, but then the Vikings kind of died out, or or eventually Christianity took over, kind of swept the nation, as you will. Mm -hmm. And who's to say that eventually... uh, I mean, Christianity is so big, but what's to stop that from becoming mythology as well? Was there... Because obviously, there's so much to this that was written down... Just like, so did they have their own Bible? Like, how does that work? Uh, there's a lot poems. of things. Okay. Yeah. I don't so know if those are So similar to Psalms or? No, they just, so like, and, and they had the stories. A lot of it was oral and mm-hmm. they wrote it down afterwards, I think. Okay. You're uh, asking some very interesting questions. I felt that as I was asking them. I'm like, wow, this is very thought provoking. And I don't know that you will ever find a satisfactory answer. Oh, I know I won't. Um, This is just going to be like... uh. Uh, how the dispute on dogs it's like will <laughs> just we ever that same know level yeah but i just i love talking this kind of stuff cause it's very interesting to you know compare this to christianity just because was was this ever near as big as christianity is or no. it never got to that level no. so so chances are christianity will never become mythology but if it was smaller maybe it could mm-hmm. you know for sure um, so I'll leave you with that. I'm going to go into my rating now. Great. And then I'm going to talk just a, a little bit what I, what I liked. Okay. So I am going to give this 8.2. Oh, I thought I would have got you way higher than that. 8.2 Tom Hiddleston's feet in stirrups giving birth out of 10. <laughs> what? You heard me. I heard you. <laughs> so this one's a little bit twofold. So interestingly enough or not interesting at all we'll see i actually i love norse mythology so i love that there was more of a focus on the north mythology like obviously that's what it's about yeah but but i hate vikings it's it's weird i i don't who i who just hates vikings no okay maybe hates a a strong word i have no interest in just vikings Mm, gotcha like they're it, fascinating people. But like, so there's I'm going to do the history of Vikings now. Oh, good. So there's that like Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which Ooh. is all about Vikings. And that's the main reason I don't want to play it because I don't care about Vikings. So it's weird that it's, uh, you know, that's just, it's weird. But <laughs> yeah, but my thoughts on the episode are that I found uh, an 8.2 is a great score, granted. Thank so you. you're just an overachiever, I guess, if you're, if you're disappointed by that score. 
but I found it really interesting just comparing what the actual mythology is uh, compared to what uh, compared to what the Marvel Universe has mm. made it into. And I, I also wonder, another thought I had while listening to it, I'm like, what made them like decide marvel comics all in the 60s decide that they were going to take norse mythology like uh, you know there's so many different mythologies so many different you know things they could have chosen from but they went with thor and created this amazing you know comic line and everything but i and i wonder why they made certain changes and thought process behind that i just i just wonder where all that those Mm. thoughts came from and stuff you know Mm. i'd be very very, i'd be very interested to learn why they made certain changes and uh so yeah i found it uh really interesting and you should be satisfied with an 8.2 are you satisfied with an 8.2 always (laughs) well that's all we have for this week We'd like to thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to hang out with us. If you enjoyed listening to what we had to say, please subscribe to our podcast on Apple or Spotify or Google. Leave us a review or tell your friends about us. And if you, yes you, want to see behind the scenes action, you can follow us on Instagram at The Reluctant Historian. And if you want to send in show ideas or any corrections you may have noted, you can email us at TheReluctantHistorian at gmail.com. So, we'll see you next week. Same time, same place. And keep on sharing your kinks. This is a safe place. Hey everybody, I'm Eric Erickson, host of The Open Highway. You know, I've had some incredible adventures in my life, and along the way I learned a little bit about everything, which, to be honest with you, is just enough to get me into trouble. But I bring that with me when I sit down with guests from the worlds of politics, news, science, current events, entertainment, and more. The Open Highway with Eric Erickson. Join me on The Open Highway, and let's have a conversation. Find it wherever you get your favorite podcasts. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.